welcome to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina. Our goal is to exalt the Savior, evangelize the sinner, and encourage the saint through faithful exposition of God's Word. As you grab your seat, let me invite you to grab your copy of God's Word. On your phone, your iPad, on the screen, we'll have it. But if you've got a physical copy of God's Word, let me invite you to find the book of Nehemiah chapter 12. Nehemiah chapter 12. As you know, we have been walking through the book of Nehemiah for several months now. This is the 18th message through the book of Nehemiah. And we've entitled this series, Against All Odds. After 70 years of Babylonian captivity... The people of God made their way back to Jerusalem. They were going to rebuild the temple. They were going to rebuild the walls. And Ezra would lead the fight to rebuild the temple and restore proper temple worship. Nehemiah would come on the scene and help build the walls. And you talk about a bunch of ragtag folks. It looked like this would never happen. That's why we entitled this Against All Odds, because if this was going to happen, It was going to take a move of the Almighty because they would never accomplish this in their own strength. You'll remember Nehemiah. He's the cupbearer. He had a great burden to go back to Jerusalem. After the temple had been rebuilt, the walls had laid in ruin for some 150 years. And Nehemiah goes to the king of Persia and he says, would you grant me permission to go to Jerusalem and build the walls around Jerusalem that the city of Jerusalem might have their national pride restored, that they might be protected from the enemies that are on the outside. And the king gave Nehemiah not only permission, but he gave him provisions so that he could go back to Jerusalem and begin this project of rebuilding the walls. Now, if you've been here any period of time, you know that they accomplished this great task and they accomplished it in 52 days. I'm talking about a mighty feat of God who used his people to build this wall in 52 days. But this great endeavor did not come without opposition. At no time will you attempt great things for God and there not come some opposition. You'll remember two fellows by the name of Tobiah and Sanballat, they came to Nehemiah and they said, Nehemiah, how about come on down to the plains of Ono and let's just have a conversation. Let's talk about some things. But Nehemiah said to them, oh no, I'm not coming down to Ono because you intend to do me harm. And so I'm staying on the wall because I'm doing a great work here. And why should the work cease while I come and talk to you about your gripes and complaints that you have. The Israelite people, they began to build this wall and they had a trial in one hand and a sword in the other because there was much opposition. When the wall was finished, you'll remember they took some time to obey the feasts and the festivals that they were commanded to observe. And a great revival broke out and they went to Ezra and they said, Ezra, bring the book. And as Ezra for hours every day began to read the word of God, people then began to confess their sins and be made right with God and revival breaks out amongst the people. And then we come to chapter 10 
And in chapter 10, they sign a covenant together that they are going to live lives that would be considered godly. They are going to live moral and pure lives before the Lord. And then in chapter 11, Nehemiah gets back to business of repopulating the city. And as we come to chapter 12 today, here's what they're going to do. They're going to have a dedication service, if you will. The wall has been finished. They have observed their feasts and their festivals. And now that the walls are finished, here's what they're going to do. We're going to have a celebration and a dedication. It's almost like, you remember when we finished this building and we had what we called a dedication service? Anybody remember that? Anybody remember that? We'll get out here sooner if y'all will talk to me. I promise. If y'all talk to me, we'll get you out before one. But it's as if they've gathered around today and they're acknowledging in this dedication service that they could have never done this on their own. That this was a work of God and they've just stopped and said, we're going to dedicate this wall back to you, but we're going to celebrate all that you have done in the rebuilding of this wall. That's what we're going to read about today in chapter 12. So let's stand together. If you found your place in Nehemiah 12, would you say amen? amen. I'm going to begin reading at verse 27 and we'll go all the way through the end of the chapter, but I won't read every verse. We'll skip around a little bit. So you stay with me. Nehemiah says this in chapter 12 and verse 27. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and with singing, with cymbals, psalteries, and with harps. And the sons of the singers gathered themselves together, both out of the plain country round about Jerusalem and from the villages. Also from the house of Gilgal and out of the fields of Geba and as a, as Maveth, there you go. For the singers had builded them villages round about Jerusalem. The priests and the Levites purified themselves and purified the people and the gates and the wall. And then here's what Nehemiah says. Then I brought up the princes of Judah upon the wall and appointed two great companies of them that gave thanks whereof one went on the right hand upon the wall toward the dung gate. Skip down to verse 36. And his brethren, Shemaiah and all these rest of these priests with the musical instruments of David, the man of God, and Ezra, the scribe, before them. And at the fountain gate, which was over against them, they went up by the stairs of the city of David at the going up of the wall above the house of David, even unto the water gate eastward. And the other company, so here's, here's what Nehemiah has done. He's gathered all of these people together and he split them into two groups, basically. And he said, all right, this group right here, Ezra, y'all follow him. This group right here, I'm Nehemiah. Y'all follow me. And what they're going to do is they're going to make their way around the city and they're going to ultimately meet back at the temple for this celebration and this dedication service that they're having for the walls, okay? And so verse 40, so stood the two companies. Here's the two groups, okay? The one led by Ezra, the one led by Nehemiah. 
They gave thanks in the house of God and I, the half of the rulers with me. Verse 43. Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced for God had made them rejoice with great joy and the wives also and the children rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. And at that time were some appointed over the chambers for the treasures and for the offerings, for the first fruits and for the tithes to gather into them out of the fields of the cities, the portions of the law for the priests and the Levites for Judah rejoiced for the priests and the Levites that waited and both the singers and the porters kept the ward of their God and the ward of the purification according to the commandment of David and Solomon, his son. Do you know what they're doing? Here's what they're doing right here. They're taking up an offering. You know who they're taking an offering for? The singers. And Jeremy said, amen. Amen. (laughs) They're taking up an offering for their worship leaders. They're taking up an offering for those who would lead. And thank God for the folks that lead us in worship through song every single week. Amen. I'm so thankful for brother Jeremy. I love him and the Lord. He's like a brother to me. And I love to watch him lead up here, man. That, that little lick he plays in Hallelujah for the Cross, he makes it look so easy. And I love to watch him lead. I love our worship team and our singers that stand up here every single week. They practice, they lead. Our choir, our band, the guys that run the sound, run the cameras, the guys in the back that are running switchers, all that kind of stuff. It takes a lot of people to make that happen. Amen? And these folks were just recognizing that and they were going to give towards that. And Jeremy was excited on that day. But it's still, never mind. For in the days of David, verse 46, for in the days of David and Asaph, of old there were chief of the singers and the songs of praise and thanksgiving unto God. And all of Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the portions of the singers and the porters every day his portion. And they sanctified holy things unto the Levites and the Levites sanctified them unto the children of Aaron. Heavenly Father, as we walk through this passage, Lord, would you speak to us, challenge us through your word? And God, I do pray one more time for that touch that turns a mere mortal man into a messenger of the Almighty. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to just kind of tell the story of Nehemiah chapter 12 and then go back and lift out some spiritual truths and see where we might can make application to our own lives. But the wall has been finished. It's time to celebrate. It's time to dedicate. And if you uh, haven't written down the title yet, I don't know if we've put it up there. I haven't said it, but the title of our message today is something to celebrate, something to celebrate. And they're celebrating the completion of these walls and they're going to have a celebration and a dedication service. It was a joyful occasion. The priests and the people have all purified themselves as they arrive to the temple for this dedication service. There's two groups that are being led. I I mentioned that just a minute ago, and they're both being led by large choirs and their leader. So this side over here, we're going to be led by Nehemiah, okay? This side over here, we're going to be led by Ezra. And here's essentially what they did. If, If this worship center is the city of Jerusalem, What they did is they said, okay, Ezra, you take this group and y'all go around this way. Y'all go up here, go up on the wall, get up on the wall that we built and walk around. And as you walk around this way, you're going to meet me right back here at the temple. All right. So it's almost as if they prayer walked the streets, 
then got up on the wall and came all the way around to where the temple was. Okay, that's what Ezra's group did. All right, Nehemiah's group did the same thing. They just went the opposite direction. And so it was as if Nehemiah's group would come down go around this way, come all the way down this way and meet in the middle. And so both groups went around and they met there at the temple. And when they met there at the temple, they said, time to have a celebration service. It's time for us to get our worship on, if you will. It's time for us to thank God for all that he has done for us. It's time for us to acknowledge that none of this could have happened without him. It's time for us to acknowledge that, that we could never have done this on our own, but it was God Almighty that helped us to do this. And so let's just take a moment and celebrate him. That's what's happening as we come to Nehemiah chapter 12. And it's as if they're getting a brand new start. Aren't you thankful that God's the God of a brand new start? They're marching on the walls that the enemy said if a fox stood up on those walls, those walls would fall. And yet they march around on top of those walls and they've met back at the temple for this celebration service. So I want you to see at least five things very quickly. Number one, the saints in the celebration. The saints in the celebration, I can cover this quickly. We've already touched on it real quickly. But God has given Israel two godly, godly leaders in Nehemiah and Ezra. It's these two great saints of God that are leading these two groups through the streets up onto the walls to the temple. Ezra is a scribe and a priest, and he represents the religious segment of society. Nehemiah is a governor who represents the secular segment of society. So here's two men that work tirelessly together for God's glory. That Nehemiah would put Ezra as an equal with him in this procession shows that Nehemiah had great respect for Ezra. Imagine the impact that this had on the people that the, that, that the government and the man of God were on the same page. Nehemiah, a a, a godly, godly man. By the way, we just had a godly man get elected as a speaker of the house. Praise the Lord for that. Southern Baptist guy has his Bible with him when he walks up there. And I say, praise God, pray that swamp don't corrupt him. Amen. <laughs> I just lost my whole train of thought. But anyway, God and government on the same page. What could happen when God and government gets on the same page? Well, we see it right here. Great celebration is happening. Wonderful things are happening in the city of Jerusalem. And here, Nehemiah could have easily tried to prop himself up and make himself look more important than Ezra. But that's not who Nehemiah is. Nehemiah and Ezra came together because they knew that, that, that this work that was happening was bigger than both of them. And so they preferred one another. And when godly leadership is, a, is present, great things can be accomplished. And so we see these two saints. Man, it speaks of unity and coming together for a common cause. And I pray that as God allows us to move forward with this project that we're taking on to build this new children's building, that, that God would allow our hearts to be knitted together and, and we would be in sweet unity around the project that is in front of us. There's the saints in the celebration. What an example these two guys are. Secondly, there's the source of the celebration. This celebration that they are getting ready to engage in 
comes from a heart of gratitude. They are genuinely thankful for all God has done to allow them to rebuild these walls, to rebuild the temple, to restore proper temple worship. And it has, it has restored their national pride. And the first thing that we're told about this celebration, when the, when the group Ezra is leading makes their way to the temple, the group Nehemiah is leading makes their way to the temple, we're told in the word of God, the very first thing they did when they came together, look at verse 40. So the two companies of them that what? They gave what? They gave thanks in the house of God. The very first thing they did is said, time out. We're just gonna stop for just a minute and thank the Almighty for what he has done. John Butler said it this way. Thanksgiving was not only a part of the program at the temple that day, but it was a prominent part of the entire dedication ceremony. In the verses that we just read, the word thanks or thanksgiving is mentioned some eight times. And without a doubt, they had much to be thankful for. But you and I, if we take a quick inventory, we too have much to be thankful for. We have much to be grateful over. God had helped them complete this project of rebuilding the walls that had sat in ruin for some 150 years. And God had lifted the reproach that was upon the people. And their, their hearts are now celebrating what he has done. And they celebrate with hearts of thanksgiving. I think about how the nation of Israel, the people of God sat in ruins. The wall sat in ruins for 150 years. They'd been in bondage for 70 years in Babylonian captivity, and they didn't know what was going to happen, but God moved and did a mighty, mighty work. For those of you that have been around Mount Pisgah for any period of time, there was a time that we can look back and we would say, we didn't know what was going to happen here. We didn't know if we were going to make it. We didn't know what God was going to do here. We just gathered together and began to lift our voices. We gathered together and began to pray and ask God to do a mighty work, and God just sat down sovereignly in this place and he has done a mighty, mighty work of God. And there's not one person that can take one ounce of credit for anything God has done. We as a people ought to lift our voice and say, Lord, we look back and we didn't know what was going to happen, but we look now and we see your hand is moving in a mighty way. And we just want to call a time out for a minute and acknowledge that none of us could have done this, but you are the almighty and you have done everything here. And we just want to say, thank you, Jesus, for all you have done. He's good. Amen. He's worthy of our thanksgiving. And if we're going to continue to have an impact on our community, then we must be people that remain thankful and avoid the temptation in somehow thinking that we deserve the goodness of God. There's the saints in the celebration. There's the source of the celebration. Man, they're just grateful. They're just thankful. Their hearts are overflowing with thanksgiving. Thirdly, notice with me the singing in the celebration. In the verses we read, there are 21 references to singing, choirs, and musical instruments. And the act of singing is found throughout the scriptures. The word sing appears some 169 times in your Bible. Psalm, one, Psalm 13 and verse six says this, I will sing unto the Lord for he has dealt bountifully with me. 
How many of us could have that same testimony? I'm going to sing unto the Lord for he has dealt bountifully with me. If you're able to be here this morning, amen, he has dealt bountifully with you. If you had clothes to put on your back this morning, he has dealt bountifully with you. If you had food on the table this morning, he has been bountifully a blessing unto you. If, if you had a vehicle that you could get to the house of God this morning. He has dealt bountifully with you. If you could walk inside this worship center, he has dealt bountifully with you. We are people that must acknowledge and lift our voice and thank the Lord that he has dealt bountifully with us. And these folks acknowledge that. They knew God had been bountifully blessing them and they said, we're just gonna stop and have us a worship service. Notice a couple of things about the singing in this celebration. Number one, there's the edict to sing. Singing is absolutely scriptural. Did you know we have a mandate to sing? We've been commanded to sing. Verse 46 refers to the songs of David and Asaph. Those songs would point us to the songbook of the scriptures, which is the Psalms. And so they're singing, hear your pastor now, they're singing because they're being obedient to the scriptures. There's a mandate for them to sing, so they just begin to sing. Psalm chapter 100 and verse two says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with what? Singing. First Chronicles chapter 16 and verse nine says, sing to him. Sing psalms unto him, talk ye of all his wondrous works. You say, wait a minute, Pastor. That's Psalm and Chronicles. That's, that's Old Testament. Well, Paul had something to say about it in Ephesians chapter five and verse 19, where he says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. They're lifting their voices just as they have been mandated to do. And we've not only been given an edict to sing, we're given an example. Now, it's not right here in these scriptures, but let me just share with you real quick. Did you know Jesus sang? God the Son sang on that Thursday night of Passover when he shared a meal with his disciples. It would be just before he would make his way there to the Mount of Olives and then the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says when they finished that meal, in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 30, it says, when they had what? When they had sung a hymn. Jesus and his disciples, before he went out of the upper room, just gathered together and said, let's sing one, boys. That gives me chills, man. Chills just run up and down my body thinking, Jesus and the disciples standing in that upper room. We stood in that room, by the way. Those of us that went to, uh, to Israel, we stood inside that room. And Jesus and the disciples just singing a hymn right after they enjoyed that last supper. So God the Son sang. Did you know God the Father sings? You said, Pastor, you got, you got Bible on that? I wouldn't have said it if I didn't. Ze Zephaniah chapter three and verse 17 says, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. God the Father joys over you with singing. 
If I was in a Pentecostal church, I'd say, slap your neighbor and tell them that God sings. Amen. <laughs> Man, this dedication service, one of the key things, one of the key parts of this service was singing. So there's the edict to sing, but then there was enthusiasm in their singing. Now, these people loved what they were doing. They were engaged in enthusiastic worship. Now, it's no secret that your pastor loves to sing. I'm not good at it. Matter of fact, I'm terrible at it. But I love to sing. I stand up here on this front row, and I kind of like today. Ain't nobody next to me. I can just sing. If you'll pay attention, we'll be singing. And if Pastor Hayden, he had to take care of a grow group this morning, but if he's standing beside me from time to time, you'll see him go. <laughs> and he'll have that little grin on his face. Y'all know that grin I'm talking about? I say, what, what you looking at? What you looking at, man? Guest pastors have given me that same look. They stand up here, they go. but I sing with enthusiasm. If you were here last Sunday night, just forgive me for a second. But last Sunday morning, we sang one of my favorite songs of all time. Friday's good, but Sunday's coming, right? I love that song, okay? When I'm in the car and in the truck by myself, brother, <laughs> I mean, I'm singing as loud as I can sing. I do, I do, so I do. Well, we're singing it last Sunday and I'm standing right here. And let me tell you, I'm giving it everything I got. I am. We're sitting down and I'm just singing. Well, after the service, I always try to hang around and speak to anybody that wants to. I try to be the last person out of here. Now, some of y'all, y'all would spend a night here, but... <laughs> I have to look at some of these people sometimes and say, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get out of here. It's time to go home, man. But I try to hang around for a little while and then I go back and I just sit down at my desk. I just try to take a breath for a minute because I want to be so prepared to stand before you and preach that when I finish, sometimes I just need to sit for a few minutes. And last Sunday I'm sitting and my phone rings. I said, hello, Pastor Chad, um, have you listened to the second service? I said, well, no, I'm sitting in my office. I mean, it just finished. You might want to listen to it. You know, during that song, Friday's good, but Sunday's coming. Yeah. Your microphone was on. <laughs> we got more views on the second service last week than we have ever had. Well, I was just singing with some enthusiasm. And I have Bible on that too. You ready? You got your Bible open? Look at verse 42. You see all these names? Shimei and Eleazar and Elam and Ezer. What did they did? And the singers did what? They sang loud. That's what it says, ain't it? They sang loud. You know what? It won't take long to be around you. I'll find out what you're enthusiastic about. We'll find out what you're enthusiastic about. Look, 
The last part of verse three says, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. Pagan lands began to hear about the joy that was happening at the house of God because they were lifting their voices and they were singing. And we'll find out what you're enthusiastic about because listen, it's, it's deer season. Everybody's taking a picture of a deer they shot up in the back of their truck. I don't mind. Just help yourself. But you will get up at, in the dark. You have made preparation all week for you to get ready to go on Saturday morning, Friday morning, whichever Sunday. And if, and if you go hunting on Sunday mornings and you don't make it to the house of God, I hope the gnats of a thousand camels infest your armpits. <laughs> but you'll get ready all week long to go deer hunting. Get up in the dark, freezing cold. Shimmy up a pine tree in the dark. Squirt deer urine on yourself to make sure nobody <laughs> smells you. And when you shoot that trophy buck you've been, you've been stalking, what do you do? Well, I think I got him. No, that ain't what you do. Man, you can't wait. You start shaking, don't you? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You start shaking. You can't believe, man. And you, you, you're ready, for, you ready to get down out of that stand and go find that thing, man. Why? Because you're enthusiastic about what has just transpired. We do that at ball games. We do that at rodeos. We do that at beauty pageants. Because we, we, we we're enthusiastic about something. And we get to the house of God. Sing about hallelujah. Thank you for the crop. Oh. Because we often get more enthusiastic about the things of the world than we do the things of God. God help us to be enthused. Because here's what happened. When they got enthusiastic about the things of God, do you know what happened? Heathen nations began to hear about the joy that these people had. And they said, man, we need to come get some of that. Wouldn't it just be awesome if the joy of the Lord so, so spilled out of this place that the lost community would say, man, there's something special going on over there. They sing loud. They're, they're, they're joyful. And listen, joyful does not mean an absence of sadness. Nehemiah said in chapter eight, the strength of the Lord is our joy. So we got to be enthusiastic. I, I got a lot more to say about that, but we'll move on. There's the saints in the celebration. There's the source of the celebration. Well, they, it came out of a, the overflow of a thankful heart. There's the singing in the celebration. Fourthly, there's the sacrifice in the celebration. This celebration that they have come together to have did not come without some sacrifice. First of all, there was a sacrifice of time. Before the people of God would return back to their normal lives and their normal duties, they decided to stop and have a dedication service under the Lord because they recognized all that God had done for them. And it was necessary for them to take some time to worship. 
Yes, they had houses that needed to be rebuilt. Yes, they had crops that needed to be brought in. Yes, they had things that needed to be taken care of at the house. Yes, they had work that needed to be tended to, but none of that would take priority over their worship. Remember, they had just spent a month observing the feasts and the festivals. And they decided, we're, before we go back to regular living, we're gonna stop a little while and thank the Lord. We're gonna have worship because worship is going to be a priority. And corporate worship here takes a significant sacrifice of your time. Corporate worship here at Mount Pisgah is such a significant sacrifice that we meet together for three and a half hours a week. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And we have to have two services on Sunday morning to hold everybody in here. We only have to have one on Sunday night because we can hold everybody in here. We could do Wednesday night in a smaller place. Corporate worship requires a sacrifice of time. Let me see your calendar and we'll tell you what, you can be, what you're enthusiastic about. Let me read your Facebook. I'll tell you what you're enthusiastic about. We ought to be enthusiastic about coming together and having corporate worship. There's something happens here that don't happen anywhere else. Amen? It takes a sacrifice of time. And these folks, they had a thousand and one things to do. But they said, nope, worship's going to be a priority for us. So as we consider the sacrifice in the celebration, it was a sacrifice of time, but it was a sacrifice of treasure. Look at verse 43. Also that day, they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. They were overjoyed with God's goodness and they gave their tithes and their offerings and their first fruits. And I want to commend you, church. I don't know of a more giving, generous people than the people God allows me to pastor here at Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. You guys are some of the most generous, giving people I have ever been around in my life. When there's a need, I promise you there is a group of guys, there's a group of families that I can call and say, there's a need, it'll be met. We as a church have given sacrificially towards this building that God is allowing us to take on and, and build for his glory and for the next generation. Today happens to be a fifth Sunday. And we're ask, we've been asking people to give sacrificially on a fifth Sunday because for those of you that are new to Pisgah, on a fifth Sunday, every dollar that you give today goes toward the building fund. It'll pay for that building that we are praying that God's going to put children in that building so that we can share with them the, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they can come to know Jesus Christ and then take it out into the community and share with the lost and dying world about who Jesus is and about the grace that he offers to them. And so I just want to commend the church and say thank you for your generous giving and encourage you to continue. We've got a long ways to go before we get that building paid for, but if we'll just be obedient and do what God's called us to do, God will take care of all that, amen? These folks made a sacrifice of their time. They made a sacrifice of their treasure. 
And I want to encourage us to do the same because God honored every bit of that. So we see the saints in the celebration. We see the source of the celebration. We see the singing in the celebration and the sacrifice at the celebration. But then notice with me finally, the sovereign in the celebration. The sovereign in the celebration. You say, Pastor, where's the sovereign in the celebration in those 21 verses? Oh, he's in every verse. He's in every verse. Because there's something much bigger happening. Lean in and lean in and hear your pastor for a minute. There is something much bigger happening than just the building of a wall. There's something much bigger happening than just the celebration of this wall. You see, they don't know everything that's going to take place in years ahead. They're just being obedient to what they've been called to do at that moment. But in a couple hundred years from that day, there's going to be a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth that's going to walk through the gates of that wall. There's going to be a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth that gets on a colt rides through the gate and right into the city of Jerusalem. There's going to be a Jewish carpenter that's going to come and confound the Pharisees in that very temple. They're going to take him and they're going to put him through a kangaroo trial. And they're going to march him right back out those same walls, those same gates and crucify him right outside those walls. They're on a Roman cross where he would die for your sins and for mine. You see, the scriptures tell us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of that sin is death. But Jesus Christ, outside of the walls of Jerusalem, tasted death so that we would not have to. And he paid the price, redeeming those who would repent of their sins and place their faith and trust in Jesus. And I pray today that every single one of you know that Jewish carpenter from Nazareth that gave his life on the cross of Calvary. And if you don't, may today be the glad day you come to know him. But you know what these folks were doing? They were just being obedient to do today what God had called them to do today, having no clue <laughs> the significance of this wall in decades to come. Can I challenge Mount Pisgah for just a moment? All we're trying to do is be obedient to what God has called us to do at this moment. And that is to construct a children's building so that these children can hear about the good news of Jesus. Who knows after we're dead and gone what God might do. So let us just be obedient to what God's called us to do today knowing He's got greater plans than we could ever imagine for tomorrow. Let's be sacrificial in our prayer lives, in our giving, of our treasure, and of our time to what God has called us to do. These folks 
If you could talk to him over in heaven today, if you could say, Nehemiah, are you glad you were obedient and led all these people to build the wall? What would Nehemiah say? You better believe it. Man, you better believe it. I had no idea what was going to happen. Hey, Ezra, Ezra, are you thankful you rebuilt the temple over there? Now, the Romans came in and took it down sometime later. But Ezra, are you glad you were obedient? Let me tell you what Ezra would say. Oh, you better believe it. Because from this side, I watched some cool things happen inside that temple. I saw the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords walk up in there. When we get to heaven, somebody walks up to you and says, I want to tell you thank you for investing in that building. I got saved over there in that building. There was a grow group leader. There was a Sunday school teacher. There was a teacher that invested in us grade school folks. And I was in the fifth grade. My teacher told me about Jesus one day. I repented of my sins and put my faith and trust in Jesus. You think you'll be glad you invested? Oh my. We have no idea what God will do. So what we do is just be obedient to what we've been called to today and celebrate all he has done, understanding that it's him working through us, but it ain't us. If we mess it up, it's our fault. If it goes great, it's God's fault. I just soon him take it and go from here, amen? And may he use all of us for his glory. So here's the invitation, it's very simple today. It could be that as you heard about these folks gathering around and just praising the Lord from a heart of gratefulness, could be you wanna find a spot in an altar and just say, Lord, I, I didn't come to ask for anything. I just wanna say thank you for your blessings, not only on me, but on the fellowship that you have allowed me to be a part of. Thank you, Lord, for putting your hand on this church. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to see your hand move in a mighty way. Some of you have been around here a long time. It might be time to find an altar and say, Lord, there was a time we didn't know what we were going to do. But thank you for putting your sovereign hand on this place. Could be you need to find a spot in an altar and just tell him thank you for the health that you have today. Tell him thank you for all of the blessings that he has given you. I just say, let's just praise the Lord and let's just thank him for his goodness. Secondly, could be you're here today. And this Jewish carpenter from Nazareth that I just spoke about, you don't know him. And he's dealing with your heart about your eternity. And you need to know how to get from easily South Carolina to the portals of heaven. I can walk you through the book of Romans and tell you how to get to heaven from right here. As we stand to our feet, we're gonna have a song of invitation. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of God. And now Lord, I pray that you would deal with the hearts of your people. And Lord, they would respond to what it is you have spoken to them today. We give you this invitation in Jesus' name, amen. You come now as we sing. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. If you'd like additional information, please visit mtpisgah.cc.